Welcome to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Eric Capelli. If you have your Bibles with you, we are going to be looking in the book of Exodus, chapters 6, 14, and 17. So if you're there, you can look around a little bit. Some things will be here on the screen. This past month, we have been talking about what it means to be people of the present. Now, I love being what is referred to as a Pentecostal Christian because what that means is we are people who not only believe that you are saved because Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sin, we're not only people who are baptized in water as a symbol that that old life is buried with Christ and we've been raised into newness of eternal life, but we also believe that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. And those that believe in him would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that is what we refer to as the second, almost like the second blessing. We get saved and after being saved, we get spirit filled. And that is the most lovely thing about being Pentecostal is that we believe and we experience the power of the risen Christ through the Holy Spirit as he lives and dwells inside of us. I don't know about you, but that excites me just about every day of the week, and especially today on Pentecost Sunday. And that's why I'm preaching this series, People of the Presence, because I believe that we have a unique handle. I believe that because we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, if we walk in his ways, if we allow ourselves to be filled with his presence, we will see dramatic things in a good way happen in our lives and in the world around us. I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit also in something that I refer to as victorious Christianity. I am on the winning side. I hope you are too this morning. I hope that you believe that in the midst of everything, the God that is with you is more than all the powers that are against you. I hope that you believe this morning, if you're here, that the same authority that Jesus had to diminish and relinquish and vanquish the work of the devil, that that same authority has been given to you as a believer. Do you believe that? Amen. And if you believe that, good, because we're going to hear more about it today. Just so that you understand today, the title of this message is called Silent Victory. Many times when people are looking for victory, there is a way that they have to go about it. They fight with their words, they fight with weapons, they fight against people. But we understand as believers that when Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, who was being ruled by occultic practices and the Roman leaders and even the emperor itself, they were under heavy oppression, he said to them, you do not battle against flesh and blood but you war against principalities and powers and rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. So be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We are encouraged as believers in the midst of everything we go through to stand strong in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Well, I need him way more than just to speak in tongues. I need him way more than just to, you know, kind of get through the day. 
I need the Holy Spirit because just as much as we believe in a Jesus who is on our side, there is also the enemy of our soul, the devil, that every time we step out in faith, every time we move with the presence of God, he is trying to counter that move. But thank the Lord, I have no reason to fear. I have no reason to shrink back because I know who my God is and I know that the power of the Spirit inside of me will cause the enemy to come in from one direction but go fleeing in ten other directions. My God is bigger and he is greater. So you understand this morning, nothing just comes to people in life. I've got friends, they think that all the time, that everything just gets thrown in your lap. That would be great if life worked that way. However, if we believe in the presence of God, it is something that we have to fight for. We need to be willing to contend for the presence of the Lord. When I was a child every day, I would watch the same movies on repeat after school. Because I grew up in a single-parent home, I was a latchkey kid, but I enjoyed it. Mom wasn't home, I'd get a bowl of cereal, I'd eat the same cereal every single afternoon. I put the little VHS, that would tell you that I grew up in the 80s, I put in the VHS recorder, I would watch The Land Before Time, and right after that was over, I would watch the original version of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. And in that is the character Veruca Salt, and she says, I want them all, I want the world, I want the whole world, I want it and I want it now. If we want the presence of God, we need to be a little bit more like Veruca. I want it and I want it now. Lord, if you have blessings, I want them all. If you have promises, I want them all. If you said you would send the Holy Spirit, oh, I want all of him, every single drop of his presence in my life. Lord, if you said you would fight for me, roll up those sleeves and fight for me. See, the Lord has promised his presence to the church. And that is not something that we should ever be passive about. But we should be willing with every fiber of our being and every moment of our lives to say, Lord, come with your presence. Come with your presence right now in this moment into this situation. One of the secrets to the Israelites in the Old Testament was that the presence of the Lord was with them. Exodus 14, 19 shows us that. It says, and then the angel of God withdrew and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud also moved in in front and stood behind them. What the word of God shows us is Israel, even in the midst of everything, God was there on her behalf. God was willing to protect Israel, provide for Israel, and show his mighty presence. The same God that was there with Israel is more than with us today through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, Israel had no weapons. They left Egypt, but they left with fine goods and jewelry. But if your enemy's coming at you, what are you going to do, throw diamond rings at them? Israel needed a force that was to contend with. So Israel had the presence of God, and the presence of God was all around them. I don't know about you, but that would get me kind of excited. If I was in the middle of the battle and the enemy was coming up from behind me and I was doing my best to chug along and all of a sudden the visible, tangible presence of God went behind me like a cloud, I'd be like, woo -hoo! He is with me. 
But we know that that's not the way the Israelites responded. We know that they constantly reacted in fear because they didn't understand the dynamic of the presence of the Lord. Today, I want you to understand what this silent victory is all about. That sometimes in the moments that seem impossible, when we are willing to let God just be God, when we are willing to let his presence just go before us, oh, he will more than fight your battle for you. There's a great writer by the name of Francis Frangipane. Like I said to you guys, I don't read like tons of Christian books. I try to stay away from most of them. I don't really like opinions, I like the Bible. So it's like, what does the Bible say? But Francis uses a lot of scripture, so that's why I like to read his books. But he said the following in his book, The Three Battlegrounds. He said, we must realize it is not Satan who defeats us. It is our openness to him. To perfectly subdue the devil, we must walk in the shelter of the Most High. See, when we understand that our God is greater than the enemy, when we understand that our God is greater than the problem, when we understand that God is greater than the voices that speak against us, even if they beat us and repress us and persecute us, our God is greater. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, the Spirit of God has always been and will always be greater. And so all we have to do is open ourselves up to the Lord. We have to understand with every fiber of our being, no matter what I am going through, Lord, you are bigger and greater. Why? Because your word says. Understand who your God is. I grew up with so many people, man, afraid of the devil, afraid of this, the demon this, the devil this. The devil said, the devil is only as powerful as you let him be in your life. See, he will try to come in like a flood, but the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So when the devil's trying to creep in, it's like the Lord is getting ready like the kung fu master, and whoop-boom, he knocks him out of the park. And all you have to do is stand and believe in his power. What's the first step into gaining this silent victory? The first thing that we can do to get into victory is understand that we gain victory through obedience. That old-fashioned word, I can't even tell you how much I love it. We live in a world that doesn't like that word anymore. We think it's a dirty word. We don't like listening to anyone. I'll do what I want. I'll say what I want when I want. Okay, go ahead. See, the Bible says it's foolishness when we don't obey because obedience leads to blessing and to health. When I read the word of God, I want to follow it, not because I'm afraid, but because I believe that his words are life-giving. I believe in rules and regulations as a person, not because I am afraid, but because I believe that they are put there for a reason. And the reason they're put there is to protect me and for my betterment as a person. What, what goes for the word of God is true even in the society we live in. And so we need to learn the acts of obedience again. See, Moses himself in the midst of a great turmoil, where he didn't know if this people that he was leading, if they were about to be destroyed by their enemies, he did not know. 
At one point in Exodus, he's facing the Egyptians. Then he faces the Amalekites. So God is not making it easy for them. He is showing them over and over again that sweet victory is going to be won by listening to his voice. And so Moses experiences the following in Exodus 14, 14. The Lord speaks to him and says the following, The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I don't know about any of you, but I hate surprises. Some people love them. I am not big into being surprised. Who's in my club? Yeah? Like you give me a gift and I don't know if I like it or not and I have to act happy, that doesn't work. You take me somewhere and I don't know if I even want to go there and I show up. Like you have to know, I'm pretty spontaneous and pretty good with things. Do not surprise me. It's like it just doesn't work in my camp. And so God saying this to Moses of like, don't worry, I've got it all under control. Like when God says those things to me, I'm like, come on, buddy. we got a wall and water in front of us. We've got enemies behind us. We have a battle raging in front of us. We don't have any weapons. Like, what do you mean be still? What do you mean? From my childhood, I was always like that, very tenacious. Like, what do you mean? What's going on here? And so God speaks to Moses as he's leading millions of people, and he's saying, Calm down, calm down, and know who I am. He has no clue how God's going to win the victory. He has no clue what God's going to do with their enemies. He simply has to trust and obey. Not only did Moses exemplify this, but we also see it exemplified in the example of Christ. See, to trust and obey, to truly surrender all, means to listen to the Lord and obey his word. And when we do, when we obey the word of the Lord, that is when true victory takes place. In the life of Jesus, we understand that the greatest battle that was ever won was accomplished by the apparent death of the victor. Without even a word of rebuke to his adversary, The prince of this world was judged, and the principalities and powers were disarmed, not by confrontational warfare, but by the surrender of Jesus on the cross. In that moment that seems like utter defeat, Jesus won the victory. We have these weird misconceptions in certain Christian songs from the 80s and 90s. We even have a worse one in The Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson. When we see the devil all happy and gloating that Jesus is dying and being whipped and beaten. No, then what that means is we don't have a proper theological understanding. See, the Bible says that it pleased God to crush Jesus. It was God's plan that Jesus would suffer for you and I. And so in that act of obedience, the devil was not laughing. When Jesus hung there naked and bleeding and ashamed behind the scenes as Jesus was obeying the will of the Father, he was crushing the enemy under his feet. He was taking the devil and all of his demons and he was making them a spectacle and he was making them ashamed and naked in the spiritual world. See, when Jesus does things, it's no joke. When Jesus died as an act of obedience to the Father, he released the authority and the powers of heaven out over the kingdom of darkness. And see, you and I can claim sweet victory 
When we, like Christ, carry our cross and we follow the Lord and his will and we say, yes, Lord, to your will and to your way, I surrender all, I surrender all. Like I said, we can sing it in church, but we need to sing it in the moments when we really don't feel like it. We need to sing it in the moments when we, when we want to open our mouth, when we want to defend ourselves, when we want to bark at people and go, rah, 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 rah. He says, are you willing to just shut up? Are you willing to surrender your all as an act of obedience so that I can gain the victory through you? Like I said, it's not easy, but it does lead to victory. Another way we gain victory as believers is through our worship. Do you believe that there's power in our worship? See, when we get together, we do more than just sing songs. We are proclaiming a prophetic cry as to who the God of the Bible is. We are singing out his promises. We are singing out his nature. We are singing out the acts of God. And in that, that is when spiritual things begin to happen. See, Moses and the people of Israel, they understood the power of worship. They understood that when they took the name of God upon their lips, that God would do victorious things. There was a moment when Moses was in battle against the Amalekites, and they had to lift up his hands, and his arms grew tired, and so Aaron and Hur, they held up Moses' hands, and as Moses had his hands lifted to the Lord, every time his hands began to drop, they were losing, but as he held his hands up, they were winning the battle. And so after they won over the Amalekites, Moses says the following in Exodus 17, 15 through 16. It says, Moses built an altar, and he called it, The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nissi. He said, Because the hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Today, Dr. Lappert, he brought me a little gift on Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to use it as an illustration. I like illustrations from time to time. This beautiful banner was built in the past, I believe, by Gail. Gail's here and uh, Janet. And this simplifies the Holy Spirit coming on Pentecost. And in the ancient times, people would lift up these flags and these banners to represent their country and their nation, their king and their governance. And every time they held high their flag, it was a symbol of pride to their people. However, like I said, the Israelites did not have a physical king. They had no weapons of warfare, and they had no country that belonged to them. But what they had was even better than a banner. What they had was better than a flag. They had the weighted, visible presence of God. And that is why Moses proclaimed, the Lord is my banner. He was saying, the Lord is my ruler. We are his people. His kingdom is our kingdom. And the authority of God began to flow through them. See, there's no one and nothing that can match the power of our God. See, when we begin to praise him, we lift up a banner of praise. When we begin to praise him, when the praise goes up, the presence comes down. When the praise goes up and the presence comes down, our enemies scatter. If there is one thing that the enemy does not like, it is when the name of Jesus is praised. He cannot stand in the presence of the one who is holy and righteous and true. Oh, man, do I love praise. 
I think it's the greatest weapon we've ever been given. See, there is something that happens when we mention the name of Jesus. How do we defeat the enemy? Our victory begins with the name of Jesus upon our lips, uttered in fervent prayer. Our triumph is consummated by the transformation of our nature, where Christ himself dwells as Lord in our hearts. When we get a lot of Jesus inside of us people, when we take the words of Jesus and we flesh them out inside of us and we begin to walk like Jesus and talk like Jesus and especially when we begin to pray like Jesus, that is when the kingdom of God gets released all around us. As one of the mission statements of our church or vision statements, we say Bethel is a place to encounter Jesus. Why do we say that so explicitly? Because we live in a society that will God you to death. God this, God that, God, God, God. You can say that all over the place, and everyone's like, great, 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 great. But when you say the name of Jesus, when you sing and when you pray in the name of Jesus, believe me, it makes people not so very happy. When you say the name of Jesus, people start giving you dirty looks. When you say, I belong to Jesus and not God is good, but Jesus is good, people start looking at you like you're a loony bin. And the reason is because there is power in that name. That name separates light from darkness, slaves from the children of God. See, when Jesus' name is mentioned, that is what releases the power of heaven. There's no other name by which man can be saved. There's no other name by which man can be healed or delivered. It is only in the person of Jesus Christ. And that is what the Spirit came to do. The Holy Spirit living inside us always points to Jesus. The Holy Spirit loves it when Jesus is praised. The Holy Spirit loves it when we adore Christ as we praise the name above every other name. That is when the power begins to fall. I love the power of praise. See, Israel learned praise. They began to praise, and they saw many battles that were won when they praised even in my own life, I have seen the power of God move when I just began to praise. Throughout our history as a nation, when we needed change in our country, when men and women of God just began to praise. When they began to praise his name, the power began to move. And that is genuinely when things began to change. See, I love the word of God. It makes it so practical for us. I say oftentimes, even in our home life, when we feel like the atmosphere around us is getting a little bit too heavy, something's going on. Do you ever have those moments, something just doesn't feel right? It feels a little off, like the kids are a little off, your spouse is a little off, your mood is a little off. We all have that. Come on. Hello? Yes? No? Maybe so? Good. You're with me. Good. If you're watching from home, type us a comment. Yes, Pastor. Then I know you're alive. But what I do in those moments is I begin to worship. What we do in our home is we begin to worship, whether it's putting on a worship video or my wife getting behind the piano, because we understand that to change the mood of our home, we can't just be like, everyone put on a happy face. We need the presence of God to settle over us. 
And when the presence of God comes in, it drives out all of that moodiness. It drives out all of that confusion. It drives away depression. It drives away that heavy heart and that heavy spirit. That is why the Bible says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. There is power in your praise. Through that praise is how you win victory. Another way to gain victory is through knowing your identity. Oh, man, this is a really important one. I won't take too much time here. But your identity of who you are in Christ is so important. I've told you today about who he is. Moses said he is our banner. He knew that the Lord would give them victory. But do you believe that you are worthy of that victory? Do you believe that everything that the God of the Bible says is truly relevant for you? I'm going to read you a story about Israel found in Exodus chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, let's read together from verse 2 all the way down to verse 9. It said, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. The snippets that I took from the Bible verse, from verses 2 all the way to verse 9, God was showing the Israelites not only who he was, because again and again he says, I am, I am the Lord, I am God, like repetitively, like this guy's really into himself. You can laugh at that, it's okay. And the Israelites, he is telling them, you are my people. I am bringing you to a land. Just like I said to you, I don't like surprises. Right from the beginning, he showed Israel who he was. He showed Israel where he was taking them to. But verse 9 shows us that they lacked understanding who they were. Again, verse 9, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. The New Testament shows us this very reaction even among believers, that we can come to Christ, but if we are still living in the guilt and shame and sin of our old nature, then we still keep acting like slaves. That is why the Spirit is given. One of the very means of the Spirit working in our lives is to confirm that we are sons of God and that we can cry out, Abba, Father. Do you know what that means? That when the Spirit of God is inside you, you know who your daddy is. When the Spirit of God is inside of you, you are not an orphan. When the Spirit of God is inside of you, you are not a slave of fear or sin or of Satan. You are a child of the living God. And when you are his child, you can believe with every fiber of your being that he is for you, that he is fighting for you, and that he will come through on your behalf. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Frangipane says the following. He says, though your feet are still on earth, through the vehicle of the Holy Spirit, you are united to the actual person of Jesus Christ. 
who is seated at the throne of God. Even as your limbs are attached to your torso, so your heart is attached to the power of God. Catch this one. You are never alone. Christ is always with you. Always. What you were as a person prior to salvation, and let this sink in, you will never, never, ever, ever, ever be again. See, the devil loves to remind us of our past, but my past is dead and buried with Christ. I am a new creation. I am a child of the king. I am an ambassador. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. See, when you get those scriptures in you, when you understand not only how big your God is, but everything that Christ died to make you, that is when you truly walk in victory. You don't slouch back like the Israelites. Ooh, from the hard labor, it's been rough. Woof, it's been rough. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been through. No, I don't need to know who you are, and I don't need to know what you've been through. But what I do know is a Christ who is more than enough. I know a Christ that is all-powerful. I know a Christ that forgives the foulest sin. I know a Christ that delivers us from all evil. And I know a Christ who is present even in this moment so that we can walk and talk in victory. When I grew up, I loved singing that song, Victory is Mine. Do you guys know that one? Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Oh, I told Satan to get behind. Victory today is mine. And then we would sing joy. Joy is mine. Joy is mine. The joy of the Lord is mine. Come on. I told Satan. I told Satan to get behind. The joy of the Lord is mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we serve a mighty Jesus, the enemy has to get behind us. And see, what I love even about church history was someone like St. Patrick who won all of Ireland for Jesus, even though the Druids were against him, even though pagan priests were cursing him and practicing rituals against him. Step by step, he took over all of Ireland for Christ, and he would say, Christ be with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beside me, Christ above me, Christ all around me. See, Patrick believed in this authority that was given to him by Christ. And when you and I walk in that authority, the devil and his henchmen cannot stand a chance. Once we have found this secret place in God, nothing we encounter in life can truly defeat us. God himself preserves us in all things, and every distress or devilish plot aligned against us, we emerge as more than conquerors, Romans 8, 37. Now let's bring it back to where we started. In God's shelter, the redemptive power of Christ reverses the plans of Satan. Can we hear that one again? Yeah? Yeah? In God's shelter, the redemptive power of Christ reverses the plans of Satan, annulling both the assault of the enemy and its after effects. I don't know about you, but I love that. 
And if you don't believe that, well, you sang it every Christmas. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. I love that verse because I sing it all year long. Every situation I go into when it looks like the curse of sin is present, I start singing in my head, He comes to make His blessings known, far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. And it's a jolly little song, but the spiritual truth behind it is, is not only has Jesus come to destroy the work of the enemy, but he has come to reverse the effects of sin, death, hell, and the grave upon his people. There is victory in Jesus. There is victory when you and I begin to obey the word of God and the leading of the Spirit. There is victory when you and I begin to praise the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. There There is victory when we walk in our Christ-given identity as sons and daughters of the living King. Church, arise. Arise today in the strength of the Lord. Arise today in victory, for the battle belongs to the Lord. No weapon formed against you will prosper. The Lord is mighty. Let's stand with one another this morning as we conclude this service. We're going to conclude with a song of worship about this battle and how the Lord has already won the victory on our behalf. If you need victory in your life, if there is an area that you're saying, Pastor, today I want the Lord to move, I mean move like never before, just like you said, I want a bunch of verrucas here this morning. Lord, I want it all. Lord, I am not going home today until you answer. I am not going home until I see the victory that you have for me. Today, the altars will be open, and you are welcome to come up and worship. And there might be people who will come and pray for you, but even if they don't, seek the hand of the Lord itself. He is the one who gives true victory. It's him. It's his hand. Pastor spoke the message that God was telling me during worship. There's people here that think they have victory. The chain has been broken, but they're hanging on to it, and it's dragging it along. They think they have freedom, but they don't know the real freedom that God has. And what he wants you to do is shout it from the rooftops. Go out, and he will fill whatever you open your mouth with. He will encourage others because they're going to see the real freedom that he has for you. God bless you. Pastor Noah's going to start singing. If you want to respond to these altars, you can. The ushers, they will release you row by row as well, but please feel free to stay and sing with us. God bless you guys. Also remember, the cafe upstairs is open after service. I want you to look around as the body of Christ. Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel Christian Church Message of the Week. Head to Bethelcc.org to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel Christian Church. Thank you.